go. It's Wednesday's Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to take a look at a text. We have, for some weeks now, been taking a look at passages that seem to contradict Lutheran theology. Well, on this September the 8th, 2021, we're going to take a look at a passage where Jesus seems to contradict biblical theology. Wow, that's something to think about. In all those passages we looked at before that appear to contradict Lutheran theology, we found out that none of them did. And we found that out by taking a look at the original Greek and Hebrew of the text by looking at scripture, interpret scripture, and also in keeping in mind the distinctions between law and gospel. So where's this passage where it appears that Jesus contradicts biblical theology? It's found in Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 14. Jesus is talking to the people, and he says, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So after he left the people, his disciples asked him about that parable Jesus said. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? It appears that the disciples are without understanding until after the resurrection and the day of Pentecost. They simply don't get it fully. It's not that they're not believers, but they're really using an understanding of Jesus that is below the scriptures. So Jesus explains to them, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Then at that point, this is the gospel of Mark. Mark puts in a statement and the statement is, Thus, Jesus declared all foods clean. Wow. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's making the point that what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And when he talks about that, he's talking about out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. But this statement by Mark, that Jesus therefore declares all foods clean, boy, that really seems to be a contradiction of the Bible. Why so? Well, if you go to the Old Testament books, taking a look at, oh, 
Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Genesis, and many others, you'll find that there are a number of what is referred to as unclean food. Now, I'm going to give you a kind of a list. When we're dealing with red meat, the clean food which they are able to eat, beef, lamb, mutton, and veal. But the red meat that is unclean is pork, those are pigs, dog, cat, horse, and mule. Now we're talking about wild game. The clean food is buffalo, caribou, deer, elk, and moose. But the unclean food is beer, uh, I'm sorry, bear, beaver, rabbit, raccoon, squirrel, wild boar, and woodchuck. Now, most of poultry is clean, like chicken, partridge, pheasant, turkey. But the unclean food they were not supposed to eat, eagle, falcon, goose, osprey. Then you get fish. Most of the fish are clean, like bass, bluefish, butterfish, haddock, halibut, pilchard, red snapper, etc. But the unclean seafood, boy, shrimp, catfish, oysters, lobster, dolphin, scallops, eel. This is unclean. And also tuna. Well, when I figured that out, I remember eating a tuna sandwich on the way to the congregations I visit. And I didn't think that was unclean. But these were unclean in the Old Testament. And then Jesus is said in Mark 7, he declared all foods clean. How is that not a contradiction in the Bible? We don't believe there's two different gods, the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. No, Jesus is the God found throughout the Old Testament. He's in the first three verses of Genesis. God the Father creates the world. The Holy Spirit hovers over the waters. And Jesus creates light. Those are Genesis verses 1 to 3. The first three verses. So Jesus is everywhere in the Old Testament. Remember when Moses confronts God at the burning bush on Mount Sinai, that is Jesus he's confronting because it says, I am the angel of the Lord. And that refers to Jesus in his pre-incarnate state. So you've got the same Jesus in the Old Testament books as you find in the New Testament books then how can he 
suddenly conclude in the New Testament book of Mark that he declares all foods clean. When it is clear that all foods were not clean. Isn't that an apparent contradiction in the Bible? Well, theology is the art of making distinctions. And there are many things that help us to unravel the mystery and the insights of the Bible. Distinctions are one of them, particularly between law and gospel. And that's where this fits in. If you were to ask anybody that you know, what do we mean by the Old Testament and the New Testament? I guarantee you that most people would say, well, the Old Testament, those are the 39 books, and the New Testament are the 27 books. And they would think that the word testament refers to books. I can't find anywhere in the Bible that the word testament refers to the different books of the Old and the New Testament. Because the word testament, there's another translation for it, and it's covenant. Uh, For example, when someone dies, what do they leave? Their last will and testament. And what is that? It's a document where they distribute the possessions they owned to the various people. So what is really unknown by a lot of Christians is that the Old Testament and the New Testament do not refer to the books of the Bible. They refer instead to two agreements that God made with his people. And normally they're referred to as the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is found in Exodus 22, where many sacrifices are made and blood is poured over the people and the altar, and the people say, All these things we will do and obey. Notice the promise is also from the people that they will be obedient to the will of God. Well, how long did that last? Remember the golden calf? They were waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. He was taking too long. So they made a golden calf and worshiped it. The Old Covenant failed because it was based on the promises of the people. Well, what's the New Covenant? The New Covenant is where God makes promises. And therefore, one can easily say that the New Covenant is a better covenant than the Old Covenant. And we'll get into more of that in a few moments. But a lot of people don't realize that Jesus brought a new covenant different than the one that the people had promised to follow when they came out of the land of Egypt. 
And this new covenant is really different. The new covenant is not only found in the New Testament. It's found throughout the Old Testament. All the way back to Adam and Eve. Remember, God is making promises. He's talking to Satan, the serpent, and says he will crawl on his belly all the rest of his time. And then he says that from the seed of Eve will come one who will crush the head of Satan, even though his own ankle will be bruised. If that isn't pointing to the cross of Christ, I don't know what is. And you don't need to go far before you find out that new covenant coming about again. Abraham and Sarah are way past childbearing age. She's 65. He's 75 years old. And God comes to him and says, Sarah's going to have a baby. And it is through that baby that the Messiah will come. And it says, Abraham believed the promise of God. And the very next verse, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. See, that's a huge difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Under the old covenant, you basically believed that your sins were forgiven by your good works. And we, we see that all over the New Testament books where the Pharisees thank God that they're not like a tax collector because what do they do? We give a tithe. We fast. Notice that they're following not the moral laws, but the ceremonial laws. They think that by obedience to the ceremonial laws, they are saved. The Apostle Paul talks about him being a Pharisee of Pharisees, where he was able to follow the ceremonial laws. He did not break any of them. He was Jewish. He was a Pharisee. And yet he takes a look at all of these items and he throws them out as garbage in comparison to what Jesus Christ has done for him. So Paul rejects what the old covenant is saying and talks more about the new covenant. Now, that new covenant is found in the sayings of Jesus and is found in how he deals with his apostles. Remember, God is preparing Peter to meet a, a Gentile soldier and his family. So he has Peter up on the roof having lunch, and he sees a big blanket come down, and on the blanket is unclean food. God says to Peter, eat not just once, but three times. And Peter keeps replying, I have never eaten unclean food. I'm not about to do that. 
And finally, God says, Peter, what I have declared to be clean, do not say is unclean. Then members from the Roman soldier are at his door and ask him to come to speak to the Roman soldier, his family, and others. Now, Jews aren't even supposed to go into Gentile homes. But Peter goes, and he begins to talk about Jesus to this group in the Roman soldier's home. And suddenly, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in much the same way that others received it at Pentecost, speaking in tongues. In fact, Peter uses this occasion in Acts 15 to show there's no distinction anymore between Gentile and Jew. And as he says in Galatians, there's no difference between male or female, Gentile or Jew, slave or free. Why? Because there is a new covenant. And we are no longer bound as Christians to the ceremonial laws or to the civil laws of the Old Testament. We're no longer bound to the ceremonial laws because none of the sacrifices made, according to the book of Hebrews, ever forgave sins. So why were they doing all these sacrifices? They were doing it to look forward to the sacrifice that John the baptizer talks about. What does he say when he sees Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus did that through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Now, if you want to have a real good summary of the difference between the two covenants, then the book of Hebrews is what you need to look at. Uh, We're going to take a look at chapter 8, and I'm just going to read some of the verses, beginning with verse 6. But now Jesus has obtained a superior ministry since the covenant, remember that's testament, that he mediates is also better and is enacted on better promises. Now we're going to find out why it's a better covenant. But what are the better promises? These are the promises of Jesus, of God the Father, of the Holy Spirit. It's not a covenant based on your promises where you failed. So in verse 7, he talks about that first covenant. If that first covenant had been faultless, no one would have looked for a second one. But showing its fault, God said to them. Now, talk about a faulty covenant. The people not only turned from God to false idols, but they were taken into captivity. We are all familiar with the Babylonian captivity. And that is because 
they were following other gods. Jesus says, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will complete a new covenant or testament with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And and we know from Romans 9 through 11, that refers to all believers. It will not, this is important, verse 9, it will not be like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Why won't it be like that covenant? Remember, it was based on the promises of the people. And God explains that in verse 9. Because they did not continue in my covenant, and I have no regard for them, says the Lord. So that old covenant was a failure. For this is a covenant that I will establish with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will inscribe them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. What event is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about baptism. That in baptism, you receive not only the gift of the forgiveness of sins, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, produces fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the result of being baptized. You began to do not good works on your own, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit. And verse 11, there will be no need at all for each one to teach his countrymen or each one to teach his brother saying, know the Lord, since they will all know me from the least to the greatest. The least are infants. And when they are baptized, they received the gift of faith. Most mothers who have had a child It's not long before they realize the child trusts them. Well, God puts into them at baptism a trust in Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Verse 12, this is the new covenant. For I will be merciful toward their evil deeds and their sins I will remember no longer. What does it mean he'll be merciful? What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. God is no longer a God of justice for believers, giving you what you deserve. Because as we say in the liturgy, we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. You don't want a God who is just in that sense. Our God, the true God, is a God of mercy and grace. So what does it mean, their sins I will remember no more? You know, when somebody does something wrong to you, you don't forget it. 
and you may take the opportunity to get even. God, even though he's omniscient, forgets your sins in the sense that he will not get even with you. It's as though you never sinned under the new covenant. And he makes it very clear in verse 13. When God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first obsolete. You know, that was a covenant based on the promises of the people. And now what is growing obsolete and aging is about to disappear. And that's really what the new covenant is all about. It's a new agreement God has made with you where your sins are forgiven. And what does that mean? God no longer holds you accountable for sin because he held his son accountable. So even though the new covenant is found throughout the Old Testament books, it comes to its fruition with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why you can be sure that heaven is your home. Old covenant, new covenant. Huge distinctions that I'm afraid not many Christians know about, at least verbally. And you don't need to know about them to be saved. But when you learn about them and see the insights coming from them, it is very, very comforting. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel and this introduction to Old Covenant, New Covenant. Tomorrow on Ask the Pastor, you can email me a question about today. And, oh no, tomorrow we're going to be with Wes Reimnitz uh, talking about a survey you'll find interesting. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.